Gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the globe. Tonight we deal with the IRP5 as we continue the journey of injustice that took place in this age. The corruption, the blatant disregard for human decency and human life. And we're going to deal with all of that as we continue this path to the steps of injustice. Ladies and gentlemen, hang on. AJC Radio takes off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, uh, Dennis Merritt, Dave Zapolo, Samson Riddle, William Williams, Clint Stewart, and Tanique Wright, and the entire AJC Radio team is tonight. Again, we come forward uh, with the continuation, if you will, of the journey of injustice. And, Samson, as we go down this road tonight, uh, it's been a journey thus far and has been really mind-boggling as we've had to relive the steps, the pain. Tonight we deal with a very important part of the puzzle, LaWanna Banks-Clark. 
as she went before the grand jury, uh, which I believe was the beginning steps of the end of her life as a result of, of what the system has had done to her. We're going to deal with that. Our listeners are going to actually hear from LaWanna Banks-Clark uh, as she called into this show. Uh, as these things begin to happen to her, we're going to deal with that. You will hear her. Uh, and again, she has passed away since this situation happened. Uh, but I have no doubt in my mind the people and the players involved were complicit in the death of LaWanna Banks-Clark. Your thoughts? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, you, we had, we've done several shows about collateral damage, and, I mean, that is exactly what happened uh, with LaWanna. And the fact she was in, I mean, grand jury testimony for hours, answering hundreds of questions. They continued to, you know, badger her over two what they claimed to be inconsistencies. And then when she had evidence... They said, well, oh, she's going to get jail time anyways. You put an innocent woman behind bars for six months away from her family, away from everything she's ever known, because you're trying to get not only to her, her brother and his associates, these men that, who had this software that they're trying to steal, but you're also going after you know, a pastor, a church, you know, a, people that have been pillars in the community for four decades now. And they they were all the target, and they're going, and they try to do so through through Miss Clark, and it's absolutely horrendous what happened to her. And I, I completely agree; they're absolutely complicit in her death. And I mean, if anything, what, what true justice would be would be this judge, the prosecutors, and everyone else involved be brought up on charges, you know, as the accomplices to murder. Absolutely right, Dave Zappolo. But when you look at what they do in a grand jury, you know the pressure that Lawana Clark went was under. I testified at the grand jury, and they asked the same question over and over again in a slightly different manner to get you to answer differently. And in some cases, they'll ask a question, and you won't understand what they're asking because, like, well, didn't you just ask that? And they look at you like you are a criminal. It doesn't matter that you're in there testifying, that they called you in to testify whether you're charged or not. They're, they look at you as a criminal. They set the room up so that you look like you're nervous. And they have a screen that you're supposed to look at the, the evidence. You have to keep turning around. It looks like you're jittery. They had a water bottle that, um, that spilled, so it looks like you're nervous. They, they try to set you up to make it look like you're lying. Wow. And it's no more than an illegal interrogation that police officers do to people in order to get a confession. Uh, in this particular case, that, that didn't fall under that, but the pressure of that many questions from a young lady, right. uh, Luana Banks-Clark, never in trouble with the law ever. No issues, no running with law enforcement. And you put this woman in a situation, a pressure cooker, if you will, and begin to try to, this is torture. It's nothing less. That's what it is. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, gonna tell you exactly who those players are what you've already heard on this show before. The chief of them, uh, Federal Judge Christine Arguello. Ladies and gentlemen, feel free to dial into the show tonight, 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628, as we again continue the journey of the IRP-5 and the journey to injustice. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Here are 50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. 
Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to one out of 17. Now here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are one out of three. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated. But one thing is clear. There's racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of American drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet blacks are 34% of the people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes, 46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white ones in state prisons and in federal prisons. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparity in America's war on drugs is one big reason that one out of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation. You can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today. 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. The United States of America incarcerates more people than any other country in the world. In fact, the U.S. hosts more prison inmates than all other developed nations combined. As of 2010, the world population was over 6.8 billion people, with an estimated 9.8 million in jail. This figure, compiled by the International Center for Prison Studies, refers both to individuals held in jail awaiting trial and inmates serving time after sentencing. So there are 9.8 million human beings on planet Earth living inside of cages that we know of. In 2010, the U.S. was home to about 309 million people, 4.5% of the world's total population, but housed 23% of the world's prisoners. So take a moment to think about what this means. It means we imprison more people than enormous autocratic countries like China. We imprison more people than Russia. Compared to the size of our population, our rate of imprisonment dwarfs our closest allies, like the United Kingdom, France, and Canada. As of 2010, there were over 1.6 million post-trial inmates serving sentences in America's state and federal facilities. 
This number does not include those being detained pretrial or those on probation. The most unique feature of incarceration in America is the large and active role of our federal government. In most countries, crime is reacted to at the local or regional level, whereas the American government finances and legislates a significant portion of law enforcement at the national level. State governments still do their fair share of incarceration, though. California and Texas incarcerate more than other states with over 171,000 inmates each. Florida is a close third with over 103,000 prisoners. But no single state locks up more people than the federal government with over 208,000 inmates. Perhaps the nickname Land of the Free, Home of the Brave, should be updated. Though I suppose you need to be brave to endure the highest likelihood of incarceration the world has ever known. Prisons are not what we think about when we think of America, and they shouldn't have to be. A free nation shouldn't imprison so many people, and a fiscally responsible nation can't afford to. With close to $40 billion a year in state correctional spending, the financial costs are obvious and staggering alone. But the human costs are often underappreciated. 1.6 million fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of American families are incarcerated. It's time for people to realize that the criminal justice system in America is desperately in need of reform. I wanted to be in the military since I was since I was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs I hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. You gotta find that link with somebody. It'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening and I was taught, you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many.
back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight. As as we said earlier, the journey of it to injustice suffered by the RFP5 is where we pick it up tonight. As you know, last time that we were uh, having discussions, we remembered there was a raid that took place uh, unjustified uh, as federal agents came in with weapons, acts and threats of intimidation to really law-abiding citizens. This is what they had to suffer. Uh, And I think sometimes it's important that you put yourself in the place of these men. David David Banks, Dave Zappolo, Clinton Stewart, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes suffered something very, very horrible. It is our job to paint the picture to take you on this journey. And if that were you, which it could have been anybody, any of us, how would you have handled that? Eight years behind bars for a crime that they never committed. Eight years, eight Christmases, eight birthdays, and all the other family occasions that took place. But tonight we start this with the grand jury abuse to LaWanna Banks-Clark, our sister who is no longer with us. And David, I'd like you to lay the foundation, if you would, of how this happened, the thought process of Luana. We're going to hear from her uh, as she was done so horribly bad, uh, which I believe contributed to the death and the early death of Luana Banks Clark. Right. Um, Luana Clark was really wasn't even affiliated with the business in any capacity whatsoever. Um, originally, when we started setting up uh, the business, uh, we went as a family. You, uh, we were looking for the best options to set up. All Luana did at the very beginning was uh, acquire the bank account at that particular time for the business, uh, but she had no oper- uh, no operating function in the business whatsoever. She just had, out of all of us, I think she may have had the highest credit score at the time. We're going to use her uh, to help bootstrap and be able to get credit and things like that. So that's only her only affiliation with the business. Well, the government really didn't have anything as they started uh, really not having a case. They started to go through banking records and there were some withdrawals made and their, uh, their ultimate goal was to use her as a pawn to get us to take a plea deal for something we didn't do. Well, uh, that didn't happen. So ultimately, after the raid, which took place in 2005, uh, the government had left. We know they didn't have anything as far as the case was concerned. Uh, Then they, in 2007, two years later, they impaneled a a grand jury uh, to look to supposedly look into the to the financial dealings of IRP, but. Uh, it was something more sinister behind what they were doing. Uh, the government, first thing they did, they pulled church banking records where all of us attended the church. And there were 18,000 pages of uh, 
Discovery banking records, 18,000 pages of Discovery, 9,000 of which were just church banking records. And without a subpoena or without a, order. Without a subpoena. Nobody could find any pulled. They pulled other accounts. So they basically, they called on the, their good old boy network here in Colorado and got their friends and their, their cronies to send them bank records unlawfully without a valid subpoena. And uh, the lead agent on the case was actually asked, where did he get the records? Well, a grand jury was impaneled. They would have issued, they would have known about records because they would have been the one to issue the subpoena. So uh, just the whole process and motivations of the government was, uh, had evil intent and an evil purpose. So in 2007, they called the grand jury. They called Lawana Clark before the grand jury, my sister, with full knowledge. She had no knowledge of what was going on in the business just so they could ask her uh, all these questions and about the church, yeah, about trying, the church. yeah, try, about the church and and other things, trying to set her for a perjury trap. Uh, so Lawana Clark actually answered. 200 were asked 285 questions by the prosecutor during the grand jury. Well, he comes back and they indict her for allegedly lying on three said she she made false statements on three questions. So, just look at the percentages. So, she's going to answer 282 questions truthfully and then she's going to lie on three questions. That uh, the odds of her lying are just against any sort of uh, probability given that she had answered that many questions. And the question that she she asked, uh, they were asked, was did she withdraw money from the uh, IRP bank account? Did she write a check? She told her she didn't do that, that my other sister, who was married to the CEO at the time, actually wrote the check and, with her permission, uh, signed her signature. Well, that's what she told the grand jury. Uh, ultimately, uh, she went to court. They couldn't. She got convicted on that count, and uh, a handwriting expert was made available after she got convicted. Well, we said, well, we'll just, uh, as a family, we talked about, we went and get a handwriting expert that was used by the U.S. Attorney's Office to do handwriting. Uh, analysis on the signed deposit uh, withdrawal slips that were, they were done at the bank. The government didn't even uh, check the. They could have pulled a video from the bank to see who actually withdrew to to corroborate Luana's testimony. Was it true or false? But they chose not to do that, which was true. Which was true. So they would have known that my other sister Yolanda had made the withdrawal from the account. But the government said, no, we're just going to uh, because we. We're not going to do that sort of thorough investigation. We're just going to tell the the jury that it looks like her signature. And the jury, and that's why you have to ask questions about the jury. The jury system, actually, jurors actually bought that. Well, why didn't, uh, so, you, so you can just visually do something, you want to convict somebody on a visual analysis of a signature? When you can have a handwriting expert hammer home that that was LaWanna Clark's signature and when she brought evidence after her conviction from a handwriting expert that the government uses, that the U.S. Attorney's Office uses, and she said, no, it, it was not Luana's, uh signature. It was indeed, with a reasonable degree of scientific certainty, her, uh, her sister's signature. Well, the judge 
said, it, it didn't matter. You should have brought this evidence forward. Why didn't you make the government uh, uh, hold the government uh, to task about making sure that a person that is convicted, uh, that, that you supplied credible evidence? And at the end of the day, when Judge Arguello, she had the opportunity, according to, to the statute, in the interest of justice, to dismiss the case or grant a new trial based on this evidence. She could have done that. She had the discretion to dismiss the case with, with irrefutable evidence from a handwriting expert used by the government that she didn't do what the government, she didn't sign the withdrawal slips to withdraw money. LaWanna Clark had told the truth. George Aguero said, no, it, we don't care if she told the truth or not. I'm gonna put her in prison. And actually the, the prosecutor, AUSA, Matthew Kirsch asked for 18 months, and he had the same in prison, and he had the same knowledge that she had not committed a crime. And they they both uh, together decided they were going to put her in prison anyway. That's the reality of the United States justice system. Well, someone help me understand one thing. How do you lock an innocent woman up? Take her family from her, put her in a prison in Arizona, separate her from her loved one, and there was evidence to support her testimony, as David alludes to, the in the interest of justice. If a judge has the ability and the power to set aside a conviction, they have the power to come back and say, Given the overwhelming evidence and that what they're supposed to follow, the guideline is to follow, is that there's so much evidence here that would have concluded a verdict of innocence. That it was more likely with that evidence that LaWanna Banks-Clark would have been found not guilty. Therefore, in the interest of justice, she must set aside the conviction. We cannot, we cannot proceed forward. Uh, not since on the conviction, but before they ever got there, um, she could have moved. She could have moved for something to happen. My thought is, this is what we talk about: the corruption of this system. LaWanda Banks Clark got on a plane, leaving her family. Walking in an environment she had no idea of what she was walking into. This is the corruption of this system. That you take an innocent person, just like the RP5, where innocent people, you lock them away and strip them of their freedom, their liberty. How is that okay? Well, you said it in your last sentence, in the interest of justice. You have to be interested in having justice to know that this was a sham. The whole point of Luana Clark was pressure. They went after the person that was the most vulnerable, who did nothing, to pressure others to say, hey, let's just – let's make a deal and say, hey, we did something when we didn't do it. What I'd like to do right now, really quick, Samson, I'm coming back to you, Dave mm -hmm. Polo, coming back to you and the other folks that want to comment here. 
I want you to hear what you did to Lawana Banks Clark. I want our listeners to hear the state of mind of Lawana Banks Clark as she went on probably one of the most the toughest journeys of her life. And because of what? A overzealous prosecutor. And not even overzealous, just straight corrupt. Evil and wicked. What what adjective do you add to a person who does this? And to the actions of Judge Arguello, not to intercede and say, in the interest of justice, we will set aside this. She had the power to do it. And this was justified in a situation that should have been done that way. It wasn't done that way for one reason. As David just said, this is pure evil, no matter how you look at it. Let's hear LaWanna Banks-Clark right now. Play the clip. Mm. I was at home um, that evening. Uh, it was before, it was, was it after Christmas? Yeah, I think it was after Christmas, and um, and when I op- I saw the letter that said, um, I saw the letter that had the Bureau, Bureau of Prisons on it, and uh, God, I didn't think I still was feeling it, and I just looked at it and held it in my hand, and I opened it. And it said to report March 1st. I didn't even want to tell my mother or I wanted to act like it didn't really happen. I was hoping never to see it. And when I did, uh, I had to tell my mom. I think I told her the next morning that mom, I got the letter to report. And, and she just said, well, we're going to fight. You're not going to prison. But we're going to do what we have to do. And we did do what we had to do. But after all that, it still uh, came to naught because these people were determined to put me in prison. I remember when I first got there, uh, sitting in this room, waiting for the chaplain to come in after my brother and sister had dropped me off. And and I sat there and I looked up to God and I said, I gotta be strong. You gotta help me to be strong because I have to stand up the, w- the way my mother taught me all my life. And this was a, it was a very d- difficult time. I, and and I, I really feel like I only got through it because God was with me right. to be out of church, to be away from friends and family, to be. I couldn't call them the first night. That that bothered me really bad. It was, but I did. I saw so much wrong being in in that prison camp with these ladies, and so many of them that shouldn't have been there. And I got to know so many, so many ladies. I was I was very loved and respected while I was there. But I I just you see so much of the injustice. You see the the unfairness. You see the the, the abuse and the and the pressure that's put on these ladies. I mean, it's just it's cruel things that you'd be thinking, why would you do such a thing? Why would you get people up in the middle of the night and tell them to get outside in the yard and 
because we got to look for the look through this and look. And there was nothing they were looking for. It, it was all about we just want once you get here, we want to oppress you and, 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 and abuse you and mistreat you and try to take away any kind of dignity that you had that you have at all. Well, there you have it. Lawana Beggs Clark. The innocent. The innocent. That is so troubling. And you cannot wrap your hands around it, no matter how many times you hear it. How do you do that to an individual? How do you do that to a human being? And how do you sleep at night? This is why people do not trust the system. They are justified. LaWanna Banks Clark, you can hear the pain in her voice. This was after the impact on a person's life. Because you got some crooked prosecutors. Because you want to target this young lady. You want to target these young men? From what and to what end? Eight years. The weeks Luana Banks Clark drove to a prison to visit her brother, who was innocent. I do not understand it. Samson. Yeah, as we were talking before the clip and then even listening to it now, it's just like the the discretion that they, they're afforded in the in this system. You know, we've talked about it before, the brevity that they're given, you know, to make decisions as far as what is and isn't allowed, you know, it it's absolutely preposterous because, you know, hearing, you know, about all the questions that Wana had to answer and then hearing, you know, how the tables and the deck was stacked against uh, the RP5, like the burden of just or the burden of proof is completely unequal in all cases. They had to sit there, and the prosecution just had to give an opinion that that looked like her signature. The defense offers a, a complete expert opinion, and some jokers says, "Oh, that looks like her signature," versus somebody who is educated. This is their job. And the judge sides with prosecution because, as, as David's pointed out many times, cronyism. There, there is so much of it in there. Everybody's scratching each other's back. There's deals going on behind the scenes. It, they were targeting these, you know, these men. They were targeting Luana. They were targeting the church. They were targeting everybody. And the fact of the matter is, is that it is absolutely ridiculous that that, that this system puts so much power on somebody's opinion just because they wear a robe and sit on a bench. Well, here's the crazy part. Let's just hypothetically say, let's just say LaWanna Banks-Clark was guilty of perjury, which she wasn't. You're not going to prison for it. Not, yeah, not for perjury? In most cases, the majority of cases, 99.9, you're not going to prison for perjury charges. Why then did LaWanna Banks-Clark 
have to endure an entire day of questioning by this grand jury to the point where she said her head hurt so bad from the pressure in that room. Someone must be held accountable for it to the point when 2018, she goes into a slump, a slump, if you will, collapses from a brain clot that explodes in her head. The age of 56, no longer with us. And she, she talked about the same headache she had when she went to the grand jury. This is outrageous. But nobody wants to talk about it. Oh, that's just the way the system is. We got we to gotta accept it. We will not accept it. We will not accept it. And there's not a person listening to this show. I don't care where you are, who you are. You could be LaWanna Banks-Clark. You could be the IRP5 who simply said, guess what? We got a dream, man. Let's go for it. That was it. That wasn't a calculated plan to commit a crime. But they were criminalized, criminalized in a very horrific way. Why? Skin tone too dark to get to land a contract? Department of Homeland Security? Are we still dealing with that type of garbage? Yes, we are. But, Lamont, you have to realize something, Dave Banks. You have to realize something. They went to the grand jury in an attempt to indict us. The grand jury would not indict us on what the government brought. Lawana Clark was their consolation. We have to get some indictment out of this. So they go fishing and say, well, let's try to charge somebody. We don't want the grand jury to be a complete failure because they, obviously they didn't present enough evidence. And uh, you'll find out they called another grand jury in the future that we'll talk about in an, uh, to indict us. because And they assigned a new agent in an attempt to... Uh, in the future to indict us. So the government, I said you can indict a ham sandwich. Well, they couldn't indict us with the first grand jury, partly because Dave DiPolo, one of the executives went in and testified uh, and told the jury exactly, grand jury, exactly what was going on uh, to the government's anger. Uh, and they ushered him, ultimately ended up ushering him out of room. But this is the system that, the American system. People have no clue. They watch the news. They whitewash the system. They make these guys out to be to be superheroes and all this other type of stuff that they're out there uh, promoting and defending justice. That is not the United States the justice. Front. It's a front organization. Yeah. I don't care what you say. We live this. We watched it. You just heard about Lawana Clark. You just heard about it. They knew she was innocent. Yet Judge Arguello and AUSA Matthew Kirsch decided that they were going to imprison her anyway just to, to save face? Well, 
you didn't have a case, but they they were hired guns, obviously, to go after us. Their case was so weak they couldn't get us on the first grand jury. They had to go uh, and take another bite of the apple with the second grand jury where they didn't. And what you'll find out later, they didn't allow anybody. They didn't call Dave Zappolo again because he made it impossible for them to get an indictment when he told them the truth. So they're only going to in the future. And we'll talk about that grand jury. They only called a single FBI agent. To, to obtain an indictment and wouldn't call any more witnesses so they so they could lock in an indictment against uh, the IRP-5. Dave, I, I was at the grand jury the day Luana Clark testified, and I remember standing in front of the courthouse with her, and you could see the pressure that she had been under. You could see it weighing on her that day. And then when you look and you see how evil they are, that the prosecution asked for 18 months in prison for her. And if you look and you see, like you said, Lamont, very rarely do you see anybody go to prison for perjury. You have people that lied to Congress, perjured themselves in front of Congress that didn't go to prison, let alone two questions on a, 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 a two over 200 question grand jury where they try to trick you into answering incorrectly and they put her in prison for six months you know that's straight up evil that they didn't even well probation no she has to go to prison we want her in prison for 18 months with no record with no record well keep some in mind what the prosecutor told the judge and this is a matter of record well we want her she because she she was a housewife well if she doesn't get jail time uh, she's not going to really feel any sting from this. He actually told her that. So he wanted her to get jail time because he pretty much told her because she doesn't have to lose her job or nothing along those lines. These are premeditated uh, actions by the government to say, we, I want to hurt you. I know I can't hurt you just with a felony by giving you probation. So I'm asking the judge to send you to prison for six months. And on top of that, you knew she was innocent, yet he did this, and this is a matter of record. What I just said, he want because uh, she doesn't she doesn't work for a living. Her husband works, so uh, she's not going to feel anything from this conviction. So he wanted her to go to prison, and this, with the knowledge that she was innocent. Matthew, Matthew Kirsch, William, your thoughts? You know, this is. Um, I mean, you can't you can't really shake this stuff. You know, you listen to it, you hear Luana's voice. And um, it's just hard. It's hard to understand that you take somebody's life and you – these people have a God complex. Let me just cut to it. They, they have a God complex. They just – they love to play and manipulate and, and use their power and influence and want you to feel um, like they have this power. It, it's, it's a sickening thing. That's why – I'm sitting here listening to this, and, and this this level of treachery, this is why it's so hard. When you see stuff like this, this is this is evil. You just can't – it's just really hard to digest this level of evil when you take somebody's life. And like you said, you talk about perjury. If she had perjured herself, I mean if, which she did, 18 months? 18 months in prison, and you sit here and you listen to this woman 
and we knew her. We knew her. It's just hard. I mean, it this was this was all hard to digest, even to this day. I don't think anything could take away this level of injustice and treachery we've seen. We saw it in, with these guys here, the IRP five. We saw it with Moana. Nothing. Time can't even heal this. You know, because when you see this level of just injustice, it's hard. I, I don't have any words to really describe it. I know Demetrius, you know, we talked about, you know, just this, the system. I mean, it's, but. This journey is a difficult one. Because in this particular case, when you have shared the tears with these men, you've shared the tears with Luana Banks Clark. It is unimaginable that something on this level would happen. And because people are blind, they live in the dark. They have no idea. As David says all the time, you don't know. We do. Others do. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to hear from you tonight. I'd like to get your thoughts. This journey continues. 646-200-0628. We're coming back with Tanique Wright. Some troubling information she has found. She going to share it with us. Some other hosts here are going to chime in in this conversation. 646-200-0628. 646-200-0628. The journey of the RP5. To the steps of injustice. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit? A new project by the University of Michigan Law School and the Center for Wrongful Convictions at Northwestern University School of Law tries to answer that question. In the last 23 years, more than 2,000 people have been convicted of serious crimes and later exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. By far, the largest segment was almost 1,200 defendants falsely convicted because of large-scale patterns of police corruption, generally in drug and gun cases. Of the remaining 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child 
unsolved sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in the nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors. anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855 855- 529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Look, right now, uh, while you're looking at this on your screen in your hand or on your computer, there's somebody just like you who's sitting in a prison cell. And they didn't do much more than you did, you know, some crazy weekend. You didn't get caught. They got caught. And they can never get uncaught. The United States of America is now the number one incarcerator of human beings in the world, in the history of the world. Uh, We have about 5% of the world's population. We have 25% of the world's prisoners. Um, We we have more people locked up than China. China, who has a billion people, they got fewer prisoners than we do. You know, a lot of times people say, well, if you don't want to do the time, don't do the crime. Really? Have, Have you ever committed a crime? You got people who are doing more drugs in on college campuses and uh, uh, yacht clubs, country clubs. We all know that's going on, but the SWAT team never shows up there. The SWAT team shows up in the housing projects where you got poorer people doing fewer drugs, and those people go to prison. But think about it. What if one of the times when you were breaking the law, when you had something illegal in your pocket, in your car, at your party, the police had kicked in those doors, would you want to be known for the rest of your life? based on what happened that night. That is what is happening to millions of people. If rich folks' kids get in trouble, they go to rehab. Poor folks' kids get in trouble, they go to prison. And you spend $100,000 per year per kid to lock a kid up. When you could have spent a fraction of that and turned them into a NASA scientist, turned them into a, a fashion icon. When people come home from prison, they're not given the opportunity to start over. You leave a physical prison and you go into a social prison where you can't get a job, you can't get a student loan, you can't rent an, rent an apartment. How are people supposed to start over? And what happens to neighborhoods when you take a disproportionate number of people out for minor offenses and you send them back home with no hope and no opportunity? There are no more excuses to have this horrible system continue 
when there is now finally bipartisan agreement that it is a tragedy to do this. Not only do you have President Obama and the Democrats, you now actually have uh, people like Paul Ryan, Coke Industries, Newt Gingrich, all saying the same thing. We are locking up too many people. We're wasting too much money. We're, we're wasting too much genius in America, and it's time to do something. Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation, costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. Almost every day in the news, we hear stories about innocent people who are returning home after spending years in prison for crimes they did not commit. What you may not know is that their problems don't end once the limelight fades. For many wrongfully convicted individuals don't receive a penny for the injustice that they faced. Take the case of Floyd Bledsoe. He spent 16 years in the Kansas prison for a murder and rape he did not commit. And while Floyd was eventually exonerated, he lost everything his family, his farm, and decades worth of income. Unfortunately, Floyd's story is not unique. Kansas, along with 17 other states, doesn't have a law to compensate wrongfully convicted individuals for the injustices they've suffered. And in states with compensation laws, many of those are woefully inadequate. We owe it to all the men and women in all 50 states to provide fair compensation to those who've suffered these injustices. Join me in urging our lawmakers to do the right thing by the wrongfully convicted. Go to innocenceproject.org to find out how you can help. Four six two hundred zero six two eight six four six two hundred zero six two eight. That is the number that you can call in and chime in on this show. The road and the journey of the IRP five, and I'd like to call her the sixth man, the one of Banks Clark suffered at the hands of this system. Uh, we've touched on it just a little bit tonight. Uh, what she went through reporting to prison, what her family went through. Seeing their sister, uh, in the case of Pastor Banks, their daughter, go through such a horrific ordeal, it is enough to shock the system. Uh, Pastor Rose always speaks to the fact that she raised all of her kids to believe that if you do it right, if you don't break the law, if you are law-abiding citizens, 
and really living by the golden rule, doing unto others that you'd have them doing to you. There's no issue with prison. There's no problem of being locked up or targeted. That is what we believe as a society. We believe that, as you'll hear people say, the system works. I have news for you. That train has left the station. The system does not work. Period. Well, you may say, well, that's unfair. Walk in our shoes. This is going to work. And it doesn't work before you get to prison. It doesn't work after you're in prison. The corruption is the same. We're going to deal with that as well as we continue again uh, uh, this journey. LaWanna Banks Clark, you heard her moments ago. Emotionally distraught because of the fact that she had to relive that for a moment and what she had gone through. Tanik, you had something to share. Uh, talk to our listeners. Yeah, I was, as we were talking about grand juries, I read online that it says, a major criticism of the grand jury is that it usually hears only what the prosecutor chooses to let let them hear. And then instead of looking at evidence presented to them, grand ju- juries are simply issuing the indictment that the prosecutor asked them. So just to David's point, is that's why they didn't call Dave Cipolla back the second time, because I only want you to hear or to see what's going to bring me what I want. So the system is set up for you to fail from day one, from the grand jury to the trial, all the way through, it's set up that way. It is set up that you lose. Period. Yes. Uh, and Lamont, to, to Nick's point, one of the uh, foremen, I believe it was a grand jury foreman in the first uh, <clears throat> grand jury in 2007 said, is asked the prosecutor, so if I get debt, am I going to prison? He said, is debt a crime? Because that's Who what the prosecutor uh, I'm sorry. Who asked that question? Uh, one of the grand jury. I think it was the foreman. So he, he asked the prosecutor, "Hey, if I get in debt, uh, because that's what the case was." So look, look at the the dynamics. They didn't come back with an indictment because he said, "Hey, this this company, these men had a, a business idea. They came in debt. Am I am I uh, am I uh, could I be put sent to prison for getting in debt for not paying a bill?" So they knew. And to David's point, they had to re re uh, package the lie. And two years later, in 2009, so that tells you right there, the grand jury, they, they set, had a setup, and it did not work. And then, like David said, they got a new agent, a new set of lies, uh, even the, uh, the, um, uh, the discovery, the interviews had went a totally different. You had a seasoned agent, and he led them, that's Tanique's point, he led them down this path. Well, did they say this? They actually coached them how to answer the interview and present this information to the second grand jury. What? Yeah, um, people need to pay attention to this thing because this is the same process that was invented by the Department of Justice back in the uh, early uh, 1900s to go against racketeering, mobs, mafia, Al Capone. This is how they got him. This is how they took him down. And so they're using – they never did uh, shell that tactic or that strategy, DOJ did. Now they're using this on ordinary citizens. So, you know, how is that okay? How is it okay to to use this grand jury system that's rigged 
in the prosecutor's favor to go against the mob racketeering and, uh, you know, all kinds of, uh, you know, interstate crimes. How is that fair to, to use on ordinary citizens, especially somebody like LaWanna Clark? No, 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 no criminal record, just an innocent person. And, and just it's just amazing uh, the tactics that they actually use against ordinary people. Uh, and and the, this country is in disarray right now because of these type of tactics that are used uh, by the prosecution. It is absolutely insanity. Dennis, your thoughts? Yes, uh, this, show, this show has really hit me. Uh, I knew uh, LaWanna Clark, and I tell you, uh, what I'm not understanding about this whole thing, and it tells you how corrupt this system is, is that you could take eight men or, you know, a woman who had no prior records, never done anything wrong, and you could take them and twist it and, and make them into criminals. I don't know how you do that. How how was that not taken in consideration? And I tell you, it's just amazing to me. Again, I shall I shall say this always on this show. I have no respect for the justice system anymore because what I saw done to these men and to LaWanna Clark is it, just, I'm like you, Lamont. I, I can't even, fat, I can't reason, I can't, I, I, I can't say anything that would make me feel that, okay, things like this happen because it's just, it's just impossible. The justice system is no longer blind. Uh, it, it looks at color. It looks at how much money you make. It looks at where you're from. And it looks at, you know, what they're going to obtain in the end. And, again, I tell you, I'm just uh, disgusted. Every time, every time we do this show and we talk about how evil and how, oh, my God, the things they do to get a win, to get a victory, it just doesn't make sense. No, not at all. Dave Zavala. Well, when you look at the grand jury, I remember the day that I was there that the FBI agents had a, had a room off the grand jury and they had all their papers out and they were strategizing. And when there was a break, the um, U.S. attorney would go in there and they'd feed him more information. And it was it set up to push against what they want. And it, during the grand jury, they asked a lot of questions, the same questions over and over again, trying to get a different answer, uh, leading you in a certain direction of how they wanted you to answer the question. I mean, the first thing they said to me is, you're not a target of this investigation. Well, I ended up in prison for eight years not being a target of the investigation. Well, you also look at, so they talked about the debt. And one of the grand jurors said, well, you've been in, because they, they're allowed to ask questions, that you've been in you say you've been in business for uh, working in business for 20 years. Why did you keep incurring the debt if you didn't see a sale coming? I said, because there was a sale right around the corner. You could, the way people talked, you knew there was a sale coming. And one sale would have paid off all the debt and put money in the bank. So you're going to keep going and, and incur more debt to, to get that done. And all the grand jurors looked at me, and they just started shaking their head, yes. Well, here's the question. When people are going out for business, some, many of these people who are successful today start in their garage. Well, why did you start your business in a garage and 
You didn't see a sale coming right away. But the perseverance of these people was to persevere in order to succeed and to be what they are today. How in the world does a prosecutor ask such a stupid question? That's well, just stupid. But look, I also feel that they knew the direction they were going to go with LaWanna Clark. Because as we were talking tonight, I remembered they asked me more than once, is this your signature? Is this your signature? Is this your signature? And I had testified after her. I had completely forgotten about that until we started talking about signatures again. And it's, it always bothered me. I was like, why are you asking me that? I've already told you that is my signature. There is no checks and balances within the grand jury system. Well, there's no checks and balances within the U.S. justice system unless it's a crony check and balance uh, by uh, their, their good friends uh, at the higher court and things like that. Uh, what Dave is uh, talking about, uh, the debt and things of that nature, see, the government was on a fishing expedition to try to find a crime, is which is why they impaneled the grand jury in the first place. Because they didn't have evidence to support to just go forward. No, they didn't. Uh, they, they, that's why they were targeting the church. Uh, one of their theories that they presented to the grand jury is that we somehow – were getting money from the people who were getting paid by their own companies and funding and trying to funnel it back into church by virtue of that some of these people actually went to the church. That just shows you that they really they didn't have a case, but that's what they were trying. Well, they they must be getting this money. Well, they signed time sheet for the hours worked and got paid at the company. And David, also if you notice, all of the bank records that they stole showed no evidence of anything but that that people. Deposited their paychecks, paid bills, cashed them out, and that was it. Here's the difference, though. Let, 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 again, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. If I work a job personally and my check is deposited in my account, I can go throw it out, burn it, give it to the dog next door, let him eat it. There's nothing you can do about it. The question is, what you going to do about it? Well, yeah, now, as long as you pay taxes... There's no crime. Well, now there's one thing to do. They try to make hay out of the fact that people work multiple projects. Some of the same people work mo- on multiple projects at the company and got paid for it. Well, well, we brought forward two witnesses. This was actually during trial, and we get into some of this later. Yeah. That brought their pay stubs because they were in the same. Well, you can't work uh, 24 hours and get paid for some three different jobs in the IT field. You actually can. Well, why can't you? Yeah, but. Because they said you didn't have time to sleep. <laughs> so, David, really but, quick. If you didn't have any time to sleep, you know how I many people work crazy hours? But but keep in mind, if they this is what they're doing. Yeah. They're manipulating information, knowing that in, in the IT world, this occurs on a regular basis. Now, we brought in two witnesses. One of them that worked three jobs and another one that worked four jobs sign time sheets for the same hours because they're working for all these companies during the same hours and doing the work, doing a meeting over here, doing this while they're still working. And they didn't go to prison for that. They got paid for four jobs that worked from nine to five or eight to four, whatever right. it was, they got paid. We presented that to the government and said, this is the way the business works in IT. But what they did, they said, well, we're going to spend this to average people, a landscaping irrigation guy. 
a, a teacher who don't uh, who don't even understand the business of IT and say, well, look at these guys. They they had to be scheming. They had full knowledge of how it worked because we we brought you evidence of how it worked with actual people and their pay stubs working for three or four companies at the same time. But they they, they present it to a jury that says you these people are, are signing timesheets. For for two different companies or three different companies, how did they work those hours at the same time? So they 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 manipulated the jury with full knowledge and presented a uh, a false presented a false theory based on that. And attorneys do that all the time. I read articles about attorneys that will meet for four different clients with an FBI agent and charge the four clients. For all that time that they met with the the agent talking about the four different clients. So you billed four times for two hours that you may have been meeting with an FBI agent. So they knew that this happened because they do it in their own industry. Absolutely. And, And just quickly, they asked me when I took the stand about that. I was one of the guys that they asked about that. And I explained to them. I said, this is exactly how we do business. And and as I'm sitting there looking, what they were trying to do is paint a picture to the to the jury, like okay, I work a first shift and then I work a second shift. They're trying to think, look at right. it serially, like like you know, I I work eight hours and I work another eight hours. I work sixteen hours, and it's like no, that's not the way it happened. And when I was, they asked me when I was on the stand, and I told them, I said I said no, I work eight hours for this client, I work eight hours for this client, I work now some of that's overlapping, but I told them. And I mean, I'm sitting there, at, you know, on the stand, and I, I didn't think about it until David said that. I remember taking that question. And so they're sitting there, and when I broke it down to them, then the jury, you could see, they got like, oh, okay, I got it. But they wanted to paint this picture, and that's the thing. They tried the whole thing. I mean, the constant theme in this whole case, you see the prosecution, and and they're empowered by this crooked judge to lead these people, lead the jury in the direction they want to, and paint this picture. And it's not correct. It's absolutely not correct. So just like as, as uh, David said, when attorneys are sitting there, they're, they're, they're charging their clients. They could, be, they could be at a conference, and they get some information that's relative to a case that they're working on. They could actually use that to build their clients because they got information to help their case. There's nothing illegal about anything about that at all. But to David's point, if you're not in the IT field, uh, you're not going to have an understanding of that. And remember, right? yeah, but they want to. That's what I'm saying. With full knowledge, the government abuses their power and and does this, engages in these deceptive practices with full knowledge that the jury and presents this this deceptive story to the jury so they can gain a, an illegal conviction based on false presentation of evidence to a jury manipulated evidence to a jury that's the way the system works i don't you can listen to fox news cnn talk about prosecutors and judges as if they're these these grand godlike people who who are just so uh, committed to doing justice, that is a, a outright lie. And it just disgusts me. Every time I, I watch TV now, I don't care if they say the FBI, uh, federal judge, so-and-so, you don't know these people. They don't even know them on TV, yet they're promoting them as honest, decent people. 
But everybody else who uh, who's in court, these, these, these are just the scum of the earth. Uh, they committed a crime. Well, these judges, these are great people uh, up here enforcing the law. The rest of them are just uh, low-life criminals. No, absolutely right. I think we got a caller. Michelle, are you with us? Michelle, are you with us? I'm not on mute. Hello? Uh, yes. Do you have a comment or a question? I just had a comment um, about Luana and everything that she had to go through. It, it disturbs me even now after all these years later that um, they would try to twist it. Um, for Luana did nothing wrong. They try to act like she lied about an account that she was the owner of, that she could have did whatever she wanted. And she told the truth when she said she didn't do, do um, withdraw that money. And every, they took her away from her family, from her friends. They put her in another state. They moved her away into a prison for six months. And the, it is so disgusting how they can twist and lie and, and manipulate evidence. They can withhold things that prove that she was innocent. She had nothing to, to lie about. She had no reason to lie. She did not lie. And for the government to turn around and put her away like that, it was heartbreaking to see her in that prison, to visit her, that she's away from everything she knows. She was honest, a good person that did what was right. And for them to do that to her and to do it to so many people, that hurts me even to this day. They had no right to do that. They are taking away people's lives, taking away from family and friends. For what? So they could steal some software and make some money. Uh, it is so disgusting. I have no faith in the judicial system. I don't call it the justice system because it's not just. They are doing this and wrecking people's lives every day. And I watched it with my friends. It should have never happened to her. And I appreciate you guys bringing this out because this has got to stop. This has got to stop. Wana should not have had to go through all that. She did nothing wrong. Thank you. Hey, Michelle. Yeah. Hey, Michelle. I had a question for you. Yeah. Um, I was going through some documents here recently. Um, you did submit uh, documents of you working multiple contracts at one point, correct? I did. And, and that's explain common practice. Right. And the sorry. government. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's that's okay. The government had your information uh, that you worked multiple jobs at one time, even with this information, along with other uh, IT contractors. Uh, they still, you were just another example of more evidence provided to the government, pay stubs, tax returns, and, and yes. you, you were, you, you were, uh, gracious enough to give the government your personal information and say, look, this is, this is how the business works. There's nothing wrong with you or anybody else going out, making a living and making, uh, and working for multiple companies so they can. Do more. It's the Amer it's the American way and the American dream that you can work hard and uh, and build a good life for you and your family. Yet the government used this to uh, to destroy lives. 
with, with full knowledge uh, that nothing was done wrong, but we're going to manipulate it, twist it, spin it, and make it look like something evil was done here for the purpose of imprisoning innocent people. They were hired guns, obviously, and, and they did this. It, it's just a horrible thing. But I thank you, thank you so much uh, for, uh, for your call. Yeah, and I do want to say I agree with you that I absolutely did that, and that was common practice in the business. They're contract jobs. That's what we can do. That's what gives you the ability to be able to work multiple contracts. And the fact yeah. that someone made a comment that the government, they do it themselves. So they knew from, a, from the beginning that that's a common practice. And so, right. yes, they absolutely manipulated it. They knew that situation, and they just – it's amazing in court. They can twist it any way they want because they can control uh, the narrative on what can and cannot be said in court. So, yes, I 100 percent agree with you, David. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Michelle, thanks for your call. Ladies and gentlemen, 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628. We'll take a quick break. Um, this is troubling stuff here. Uh, a little bit uh, definitely emotional tonight as we reflect on the injustice of this journey suffered by Lawana Banks Clark, who we miss terribly. Who will be held accountable for what has happened? The journey continues after this. This is AJC Radio. There are no loose ends in TV procedural dramas. At the end of the hour, the bad guy always gets what's coming to him. Unfortunately, the real world is a lot more complicated. We know from the work of the Innocence Project and other organizations in the Innocence Network that the system doesn't always get it right. According to the National Registry of Exonerations, since 1989, nearly 2,000 people have been exonerated of crimes they didn't commit. What people don't realize is a good number of those people pleaded guilty to crimes even though they were innocent. In fact, in nearly 10% of the nation's DNA exonerations, people pleaded guilty to serious crimes and agreed to serve significant prison time because the system is stacked against them, especially if they are poor and people of color. That's right. The stakes are so high that we have innocent men and women agreeing to serve long prison sentences. A system that puts that much pressure on people to plead guilty is a problem. Visit guiltypleadproblem.org to learn more about the men and women who are pressured into pleading guilty to crimes they didn't commit. And join us in demanding that our elected officials do something to protect the innocent people who get caught up in a broken criminal justice system. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. 
Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. Let's just be honest. When we look across the street to the Supreme Court and we see equal justice under law, um, when you have drug laws so severely, disparately enforced against some groups, let's let's take African-Americans, for example, there's no difference between black and white marijuana usage or marijuana sales, in fact. But blacks are about 3.7 times more likely to be arrested for it. Um, African-Americans are more likely to get uh, mandatory minimums, are more likely about 13, to get 13% longer sentences. And it's created these jagged disparities in incarceration. In my state, blacks are about 13, 14% of the population. They make up over 60% of the prison population. And remember, the overall majority of people we arrest in America are nonviolent offenders. Now you've got this, this disparity in the arrest, but that creates disparities that painfully fall all along the system. When you get arrested uh, for possession with intent to sell, do it in inner city, now you're within a school zone. So now you have faced an even higher mandatory minimum. Now you're 19 years old with a felony conviction, possession, intent to sell in a school zone. Forget even all that. You just have a felony conviction for possession. What do you face now? Thousands of collateral consequences that will dog you for the rest of your life. You can't get a Pell Grant. You can't get business licenses. You can't get a job. You're hungry, can't get food stamps. Uh, you need some place to live, you can't even get public housing. And what that does is created within our country concentrated areas where you have massive levels of men being incarcerated. You create a caste system in which people feel like they, there's no way out. And we're not doing anything as a society like we know we could do because there's tons of pilot programs that show if you help people when they are coming back from a nonviolent offense – that their recidivism rates go dramatically down. If you don't help them, what happens is, left with limited options, many people make a decision to go back into that world of, of narcotics sales. Uh, uh, what's more dangerous to society? Someone smoking marijuana in the privacy of their own home or somebody going 30 miles over the speed limit, racing down a road in, in a community? What is more dangerous to society? But yet that teenager who makes a mistake for doing things the last three presidents admitted to doing, now they have a felony conviction because it's more likely they're going to get caught. And for the rest of their life, they're 29, 39, 49, 59, they're still paying for a mistake they made as a teenager. Now, that's not the kind of society uh, that I believe in, nor is it fiscally responsible. Nor, it's undermining their productivity, undermining their ability to take care of their family. This is so wrong that those conversations that I'm having with conservatives as well as uh, Democrats uh, are resonating. And so when you have people like Rand Paul standing up and talking about racial disparities in incarceration, this convergence and understanding uh, of fiscal conservatives, of Christian conservatives, of libertarians, shows me that this is a time of great hope for our country. And so I'm not going to question people's motives. This is one of those issues like the civil rights movement in the 1960s, which should pull all Americans together to say enough is enough. 
didn't care. Now it's time. Time to change the face of justice. Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders facing trials have exploded. Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license, and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't get justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details. AJCRadio.com is where you can go to hear all of our shows that are archived, including this one tonight, and the show from day one about the journey to injustice of the RP5, as well as Luana Banks-Clark, as we have focused tonight on her, uh, as this was the next step with the grand jury in which the abuse continued. Uh I said it once, I'll say it again, that Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Matthew Kirsch, I believe it's is it John Walsh, uh, all are complicit in the death of LaWanda Banks-Clark. To Samson's point earlier, it would be justice if they were charged with conspiracy to commit murder, because that is exactly what happened here is a result of the actions and the behavior of federal judge Christine Arguello, Matthew Kirsch, he's the U.S. assistant U.S. attorney, and John Walsh, who was the acting U.S. attorney, uh, David, for the state of Colorado, I believe, is it for the 10th, is it for the 10th Circuit? Are you talking? Under Joe, uh, John, is it Joe, uh, John Walsh? John Walsh was the sitting U.S. attorney. He was the sitting U.S. attorney at that time. Um, no, not he wasn't the U.S. attorney at the time of the grand jury. He came during our indictment. Which so we'll get into. He was he was the <laughs> he was appointed by after he, Obama set him up after he went in the office in 2008 2009. So this was after once the indictment came, he was the sitting uh, U.S. attorney. Yes. Is that correct? Um, these are just corrupt individuals. That, look, you can put any face that you want to put on it. You can say, well, perhaps it wasn't act- actually that bad negative it was worse it was worse than what you can possibly imagine as far as the conduct of these individuals who are supposed to be officers of the court it's not about justice it's not about finding the truth because the truth found them in the case of Luana Banks Clark and it was ignored what does that tell you the system is not about justice it is not about doing the right thing. It is not about 
seeking those who break the law and bringing those folks to justice. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with one point. We will target you. You cannot run. You cannot hide. If the federal government pursues you because of the acts of corruption, they will find you. That is the system in which we live. Go ahead, Demetrius. And, and Mon, as you're talking, one of the things that sickens me about this whole situation, uh, the comment was made earlier about Moana, our friend, my friend, being collateral damage, and how we knew that after the fact when we did get our point of, uh, uh, court-appointed attorneys, my attorney, Mitch uh, Baker, made the statement, if you want to talk to the AUSA, Matt Kirsch, he'll be willing to listen. So that tells us that who said that? My point, uh, court-appointed attorney Mitch Baker. So, but what made him think he would listen? No, he wanted to make. Sh- so he they used Luana as a pawn. That's what sickens wow. me the most about this because they wanted someone to bow. They wanted someone to lie. We did nothing wrong. So when he, my first meeting with him, he said, "If you ever feel," I said, "I'll tell you this right now. I don't have no need to talk to this man." We're innocent, and we're going to prove that. Eventually, we had to obviously uh, uh, get rid of our attorneys because they would not not listen. But that was one of the things that sickened me with they would use Luana, someone that's innocent, and as collateral damage to get, as Kendrick point earlier, to get to us. That is so – I can't think of a, another word besides evil. I just can't come up with it. But that, that you used her to get to that, – that just sickens me as we go in and talking about this tonight. Oh, absolutely. Dave Zapolo. When you, again, you look at all of this, and it is, like David said, it is pure evil. These people had an agenda that they were not going to let go of. And the agenda was to put Luana Clark in jail, to put us in jail. And if they could have, they would have let us rot. That's for sure. I mean, when you look at just the sentence that they asked for for Luana. 18 months on something that most people don't even go to prison for. If they could have, they would have put us in for life. You would think that people were murdered. We actually have a a motion that was written by Matthew Kirsch that compared us to Bernie Madoff. We were an economic threat to the community. I will never forget that, that, uh, that line, an economic threat to the community. MCI defaulted on, what was it, $300 million worth of debt that they could have paid, and they just didn't. But we were an economic threat to the community. That's insanity. Like you said, he said we were a flight risk. As a flight risk where? Because they, Bernie Madoff did a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Uh Curse tells the jury nobody got uh, fabulously wealthy or, or rich from this so-called alleged scheme during his during his opening statement. But then during sentencing, he tells uh, he tells uh, writes a motion that says uh, comparing us to Bernie Madoff that we we could have property uh, abroad and stuff like that. It was another uh, abuse of his power and lies to uh, to get us so we couldn't get. Uh, 
bail or bond pending appeal or, or bond pending sentencing. Right. It, was, it was another game just to try to bring down the hammer on us uh, well, in that way. What is so stupid about that? Where's your proof? Where's the proof that these gentlemen have hotels across the international skyline? That there's just properties that you're just running your mouth. How is that taken as true? And number one, why would a judge allow that type of statement? And we, were, and we were out on personal recognizance from the time of the indictment, which was two years. If we were going to run, that was the time to do it. We, we could have done anything. Absolutely right. William, you know, as, even as Dave was talking, I mean, this stuff it brings back these memories, and you think about it, how they manipulated it. just planting those types of seeds at that time because what Bertie Madoff had done, I was actually at MCI when that stuff was going on. And you and I, you think about how people were enraged. They were, you know, upset. And then you had the whole stuff with Enron, and people were upset. You know, they feel like and, – and so all they're doing is just planting these seeds. They're planting these seeds because – these jurors, you know, they've, they've already heard this. They've seen it. They've seen these cases and heard these situations on the news. So then it's easy, you know, oh, let's just compare these guys to, the, you know, the Bernie Madoffs of the world. And, it, and it's so dirty. You know, it's such a dirty way, but they're allowed to do it. And so when you sit here and you think about this, it's, it's just it's – just, it's just an act. It's a big act. I mean, the justice system today is just a show. That's all it is. I'll tell you right now, if you were not troubled prior to this show, you should be troubled right now. Because you could actually be next, and that's not a uh, that's not a contradiction. I'm sitting here as I remember my sister. She had to readjust to life. I really don't think people understand. And that's what brings tears to my eyes. Do you have any idea what has been done here? It is our job to to speak to it. Right now, Lamont Banks Clark speaks to readjusting to life after prison and a wrongful prison conviction at that place. Six months? You uh, you know there'll be some, but it's, it's so much change just in six months. I All, all I could uh, try to identify with was people that were there for years and years and years, how do you come back and readjust to society and to to the world and to life? Because everything, I mean, things change in a month. Things change in weeks. Mm-hmm. How do you readjust? I remember walking into my home and I'm, I'm trying to figure where did, where is this? I was in I was in a confused state because I'm trying to figure. I know where I put everything, but I had lost track of where my home, my, even in my own home, I didn't know exactly where and what. And then when I was driving, I always had a problem sometimes driving anyway, getting lost. But this was, I was in a confused, few places where I had been all the time 
And just in that period, I could not remember where some place was or where this this particular uh, address was or right. something. It was it it was very un, it was very difficult. It's very trying to the. It's amazing how much you lose. So I only thing I could think was how in the world do people come out after a long time and and then tr- and, and try to regroup and your emotions and your feelings and. And you, everything has to be re, re, reassessed and re, uh, reconnected with. And it's just, it was, it was very difficult. Well, there you have it. Collateral damage of injustice happens to be our sister. As you hear her talk, it seems unreal. Uh, the Luana Banks Clark has left us. For those of us in life that you know, we all have a time we die. We can handle that. And that's tough. To have the facts that a system might as well have had a loaded gun. the head of Luana Banks-Clark. Nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to think about that. But in reality, Dave, as you said, on the front porch of that courthouse, the steps rather, you saw the stress on Luana Banks-Clark. For that injustice is why our voice must be lifted and why this story must be told. Not because the death of the Wanda Banks Clark happened, but to what contributed to that death that could have been avoided. What contribution was given to the blood clot that erupted in her head. That is the question and that is the problem. Go ahead. And we may have listeners out there that are that are saying, well, it was only six months. No, that six months lasted the rest of her life. She spent almost eight years coming up to the prison every weekend, every other weekend to see her brother in us. So you know that when she walked into that prison, she relived what she went through when she was in prison. You know, because we've been out for almost two years this month. It'll be two years this month that uh, three of us have been out. And there are times that I still flash back to when I was there. So 
the fact that she was coming to a prison every weekend, you know that weighed on her. You know that that pressure lasted with her. So that six months was 10 years. And that absolutely contributed to her death. There's not anybody that is ever going to convince me otherwise. Absolutely right. Uh, And I think uh, people have just had to wake up. If they don't wake up, uh, they just, they're just walking in total darkness and total blindness to what some of them might even be willful. I think people get to the place where they want to believe in the greatness of this country. They want to believe that America is some place where, uh, where they're so concerned about justice and the right thing. But just look around. If, if, it's, if it's not like that in regular society... It's certainly not going to be like that in the justice system. I want to I want to make one comment now. You hear about all of the police uh, abuses of power, people dying, George Floyd, things of that nature. You hear that all the time. But isn't it ironic that the media never reports on wrongdoing by a federal judge or prosecutor when they're accused of something? You can accuse a normal police officer, but these people are afforded even greater deference and benefit of the doubt than anybody by virtue of their position. And I don't care. Lord Acton said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. It is a true, true statement. And we witnessed it firsthand. And you're going to hear about in the upcoming weeks, this stuff didn't extend to the district court. It extended to the appellate court. But all, if you look at the news again, all these institutions, the justice system and the courts, they're revered as uh, as these honorable people. They give them honorable, they put honorable on, on the front of their titles and their name, and they're supposed to be honored and respected. But the the reality is many of them, and like I said, I'm not going to paint every judge that way or every prosecutor, but many of them just don't measure up to the vocation for which they've been uh, called, the vocation of justice. They just don't measure up. And honestly, honestly and truthfully, they are some of the worst people in this country. And I I don't say that just, uh, that's not hyperbole. They are some of the worst people in this country, period. No, absolutely right. Look, you're never going to get to the get to the truth of the heart of the issue. Lying to yourself about this system. There are thousands of people who believe exactly the same thing. Whether it's a man that's shot in the street by officers, whether it's somebody killed in county lockup. Whether it's somebody that's abused in the department, in the Bureau of Prisons, federal or the state level. These are things that are a reality. Whether it's the young man that screamed for his life and begged that they would not kill him as officers beat him in a county jail shower. 
this is the reality. So it doesn't matter what's your perception or what's your thought process. Well, I think we're okay. Live this injustice. You're going to find that it's not okay. And as long as people lie to themselves and say, well, we, we got the best system in the world, I have news for you. But Mona, the cry of Luana Banks Clark would differ to that fact if she could be heard from the grave. It's reality. And I challenge anyone, because I've asked people this, uh, well, what makes America have the best justice system in the world? Every single time, nobody could point to any sort of metric. It's just something they believe, that America has the best system in the world. But they have no way to qualify it or quantify it. Um, but they just believe it because they've been told that. But they, they can't tell you how it's the best system. And I challenge anybody, ask somebody, why does America have the best justice system in the world? And, and what is that based on? And I guarantee you, you'll never find anybody who can provide you with any sort of credible answer. Absolutely right. Samson, your thoughts? No, just listen to this. And uh, again, the, the absolute travesty that happened to Luana, to the guys, and just really soaking it all in, the, the fact that we the citizens of the United States are, and they need to wake up. They need the fact they need to, you know, admit to themselves, admit to the fact that slowly but surely we are we are becoming a draconian society. Either you comply, you're complicit, you become a little sheeple, and you do what you're told. You sit in color in the corner, or you strike out. You have some type of fire in your gut. You want to become an entrepreneur. You want to help somebody else greater than just yourself. You want to do something for the betterment of society. And if you can't line their pockets, well, then it, it, it's time to take it down a notch or two. And, and don't be darker than the people that are making the laws because you might be more than just two or three notches. That's the facts of the matter. People can say what they want to say about the statistics. The fact of the matter is we heard about it in some of our breaks. When one out of three African-American males can count on going to jail, but only one out of 17 of a Caucasian can count on going to jail in their lifetime. Numbers don't lie. Like Dave was just saying, you can't give me a tangible number, whether it be qualified or quantified as to why we might have the greatest, you know, system in the world, but I can quantify how much of our populace is going to wind up in jail. I can quantify the fact that we house more than 25% of the world's imprisoned population. Absolutely right. And if you're black, your ticket's already been punched. You have a reservation for prison. At least one out of three. One out of three has a book ticket for prison. If you have three black children, men, one of them has a reservation to the Department of Corrections. That is as sick as it gets. Clint, go ahead. Yeah, folks got to come to grips with being quiet ain't going to change nothing. 
is going to continue the same way it is. It's going to get worse. Being quiet is not the solution. You got to make your voice heard. No, absolutely right. We're going to continue to do that here on the show. Um, I think as we continue, David, next week, we've got a few minutes left here, but uh, as we prepare for next week, um, for the next steps in this journey, LaWanda Banks-Clark, we have done our best tonight to um, honor her and what her memory was of this system. And it's not a good one. Yeah, and we've exposed the grand jury process as a fraud, as something that is manipulated by the prosecutor. And then they laugh about, well, you can indict a ham sandwich. Well, if it's that easy, that's because the system is broke. but they haven't paid attention to that language. No, no, people just kind of laugh this stuff off that a prosecutor can go in and get a ruinous indictment against anybody. So if they want to destroy your life, they could ruin your life with an indictment and don't even take you to court. So that's the reality. And what you're going to find out in the upcoming weeks is the maliciousness of the government goes even further to impanel a second grand jury without calling any witnesses so they can guarantee themselves an indictment. Uh, and he had he has witnesses to call. The prosecutor could have called Dave Zapolo back. They could have subpoenaed other people from the company, but they didn't want to because they know they knew that people coming in telling the truth is gonna it's going to scuttle their ability to get an indictment, a false indictment. And like I said, I don't know who was paid, whether the pro- prosecutor, Judge Arguello. In my opinion, both of them had to be paid. Or they're just, uh, for lack of a better term, they must be agents of Satan to be able to do this kind of evil. It's just, you just don't, it's hard for you to, to really wrap your head around. But you're going to, in the upcoming shows, you're going to see we're moving on. After 2007, which was the year, uh, the first indictment or the first uh, grand jury, uh, and IRP continuing to do business to try to close business so they could pay their debt that has been criminalized by the government, and you'll find out soon what they did to further destroy our business so they could be sure they can gain an indictment and it, 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 it's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna shock you and thanks for the comment david on that i believe we have a caller june are you with us all right june are you with us june are you with us okay it seems like you think we've lost her she might be sleeping We will uh, hopefully get her back. If not, we'll have her on next week. And uh, we will go from there. Um, Kendrick, your thoughts as, as we have... I know you were very, very, very close uh, to Luana. Uh, what you've heard tonight on this show. Tell me your thoughts. 
Well, I just I just hated this whole situation because it it weaponized the justice system, and that's 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 all it was. It was not about justice. This was about we can get a vulnerable person. We could, and and, I mean, usually in uh, perjury cases, they allow the person a second interview to amend their statement to make sure that they were given the correct statement. That never even happened here. Never was even invited to happen. It was basically grand jury happens. Next thing you know, here comes an indictment for the one o'clock. And they basically just did it for just for the fact that we're using this power to put pressure. And that pressure started there with Lawana Clark. And then it just kept going, kept going to her brothers and us, and us indictment, kept going to her imprisonment, kept going until uh, the, the abuse and the treatment in prison. And that's what ultimately led to her demise to this day. And so anybody says, oh, there's no correlation. Oh, there's a correlation. This is They wouldn't do this if it wasn't an effective tool to get the outcome that they want, and that's the government just wants to win. They don't care about justice. It's about if we put an indictment out there, we want to win. And that's and that's what they use Wanda. She was just a pawn. And that's horrific. And I believe our team was able to get June back. Um, let's see. June, are you with us? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. You had a comment or a question. Yes. Thanks for taking my call out. Had a comment about um, how people don't realize how many or uh, how much injustice is in the system. I was looking at statistics of how many people are wrongly convicted, and there's, it's really low. The U.S. has over two and a half million prisoners, but they say only between 2% on the low end and maybe 10% are wrongfully convicted. It's so many wrongfully convicted that people really don't know the true number. And that's why so many people are victims of the system because in the eyes of the people doing the stats and the government, they are guilty. And so few are exonerated that it's it's really a, a tragedy that the stats are like that, so people think our system is great when it's not, uh, because most, so many don't know somebody who's been wrongfully convicted. They don't believe people are innocent. They think if the police arrest you, hey, it's all good. Um, and it's a tragedy. They want to have to be a victim uh, of the system. Um, absolutely. But that's that's the way it is, and until the stats really show or something happens in the system, people are going to keep thinking that everything is fine. Uh, No, no, absolutely right. And, Jim, thank you for your comment and your passion with that. Uh, I agree. Um, There's a sense of delusion. As David said, we keep saying people need to wake up. There's a saying that says, stay woke. Uh, That's a statement made in a political arena by politicians. Why is it necessary to stay woke? Because I promise you, if you fall asleep, 
this system will finish you. Finish you. RP5 to Lawana Banks Clark. In love and memory of her, who was a stout advocate for just cause in AJC Radio. It is a tragedy that the injustice suffered here that she witnessed contributed to her death. There's no other way to talk about it. No other way to be. I would implore you to tune in to the show in the weeks to come as the journey continues with the RP5. We're going to hear from family members next week of exactly the impact of the collateral damage that took place with the RP5. I would ask and request that you tune in to those shows to come. Ladies and gentlemen, recognize one thing to be true. Just Cause Organization and AJC Radio will not rest until justice is found for the RP5, for Luana Banks-Clark, for all those that suffer an injustice, no matter who you are, where you live, it is our purpose, it is our mission to fight for justice. So next time, America, this is AJC Radio. Good night.